From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Police are investigating a homicide near Brotherhood Bridge. Juno Police Lieutenant Craig Campbell has the details. Juno Police Department received a report of a deceased female found on the Brotherhood Bridge Trail. The female was located approximately 200 yards from the trailhead parking lot near Glacier Highway. JPD responded to the scene and confirmed the woman was deceased. The cause of death is considered suspicious and is being investigated as a homicide. JPD has identified and located a person of interest in connection to this investigation. The deceased has been identified as a 55-year-old female Juno resident. Next of kin has been notified. JPD will release the name of the deceased woman on September 22nd. The public is encouraged to contact JPD on our business line at 907-586-0600 if they observed any unusual activity in the area of the Brotherhood Bridge Trail during the afternoon of September 21st, 2022. Anonymous tips can be made through JunoCrimeLine.com. Lieutenant Craig Campbell, Juno Police Chief Ed Mercer, spoke about a variety of topics on Action Line yesterday. One issue that Chief said he was happy to speak on was the department's acquisition of an armored vehicle. I'm really happy to, that we are actually moving forward with an armored vehicle. I think I talked about this a while back. Um, uh, it, it takes a while. Um, we got approval to move forward with it. We're working with the vendor. Um, it takes up to almost a year to get it, so we're anticipating by... Uh, May of next year of getting our armored vehicle. So it's it's well in the works. It's being worked on. Um, we'll be getting it. We'll probably be sending our personnel down there because they're going to have to um, do a little bit of training to uh, know how to operate that uh, equipment. And then we will deploy it for our specialty units such as the SWAT team or uh, EOD and so that we could use it in different types of events. Mercer explained how the vehicle would and would not be used by the department. It's not going to be a vehicle that you're going to see out there just out there on general patrol. It's going to be used for specialty circumstances, SWAT call-outs, barricaded subjects, um, uh, some sort of mass emergency that may happen in, in Juneau where we need that piece of equipment. We have a mobile incident uh, response vehicle also. You've probably seen it around Juneau. It looks like a big RV. We used it for memorial detail. We use it for 4th of oh, July. Yeah. We'll use it for specialty events. You're, you're not going to see this vehicle just out there driving around responding to calls unless it's some sort of criteria that meets uh, a certain level that we, we deploy that piece of equipment. Police Chief Ed Mercer. On this year's ballot for Juno voters, Proposition 2 asks whether to approve bonding to fund maintenance and improvements to Juno's trails and parks. Trail Mix Executive Director Ryan O'Shaughnessy outlined what Prop 2 is asking. Proposition 2 authorizes a government or excuse me, a general obligation bond for $6.6 million uh, to fund area-wide trail maintenance, a new cabin, and resurfacing the Adair Kennedy track and field. Uh, Area-wide trail maintenance, like, like I said earlier, you know, there's so much maintenance to keep up with, and we do the absolute best we can, um, but this will really, really help us uh, move forward with our mission in making sure that Juno has a safe and accessible and enjoyable trail system. Juno Park Foundation board member John Pugh spoke to the need to work on Adair Kennedy Field, which would be funded under Prop 2. Which is a park, you know, and it's used tremendously by the the Valley families, uh, kids, you know, playing basketball at the basketball court. People walk on that track on the Derek Kennedy at night. Older people come out and get their steps in and get their, their miles on that track. And, uh, you know, as well as we have our 
course, so we have football games there from uh, time to time and things on the. So that's a real important one. But the other one is, that was not mentioned is the baseball field. Now, many years ago, I coached baseball in, in, on that field, and that field is really difficult when it rains. There's no way you can dry that field out in any time. So it it has caused a lot of difficulty for the, the you know for the baseball season, really in in a climate like this. But so to have a surface on that baseball field is going to be really important. Also funded would be a new city public use cabin. It was likened to a mulga. That, that was built in uh, 2020. And other than nights that it's been closed for maintenance, has been occupied 100% of its availability. 100%. 100%. And, uh, you know, the Forest Service cabins, uh, I think Dan Moeller um, in 2021 uh, was rented 341 nights out of the year. Um, it, you know, we, we have a clear demand for, for cabins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're really excited to see, to see more uh, public-use cabins uh, come out of this proposition. O'Shaughnessy also urged a vote for Prop 3, the sales tax extension. The temporary 1% sales tax extension um, will fund uh, some deferred maintenance to to CBJ parks and recreation facilities, and that includes some funding uh, for trails and park signage. Um, You know, we we see all these... uh, uh, interpretive signs in our parks, which are really wonderful to read uh, and, and really contribute to the quality of a park, I think. Uh, but also it's really important to know where you're at on a trail, to have uh, trailhead signs and markers that you know give you accurate and correct information. Both appeared on Action Line. A former Alaska attorney general has been indicted for sexual abuse of a minor. On September 19th, an Anchorage grand jury indicted Clyde Edward Sniffen Jr. on three counts of sexual abuse of a minor in the third degree for conduct alleged to have occurred with a West High School student while he was in a position of authority in 91. Sniffen's superior court arraignment is set for the 26th. He resigned shortly after being appointed attorney general in January of The Anchorage Daily News and ProPublica last year reported that his resignation was announced as they were reporting on allegations of sexual misconduct with a 17-year-old girl three decades ago. Alaska State Troopers say a 9-year-old boy suffered serious injuries in a brown bear mauling Tuesday night. The boy and an adult were hunting in the Palmer Hay Flats about 35 miles north of Anchorage when they came across a brown bear. Troopers say the bear attacked the juvenile, leaving him with serious injuries. The 41-year-old male shot and killed the bear. Both the boy and the adult male are related, but troopers have not said how. They were taken to a nearby hospital for treatment and say the adult male had minor injuries. Troopers and the Alaska Department of Fish and Game personnel were to return to the Hay Flats area yesterday to continue their investigation. A Huna man is accusing Mayor Gerald Byers of using a racial slur towards him when he was employed by the city. Eliza Shakley spoke to News of the North about the claim. A recall application was filed Tuesday with the Huna City Clerk asking that a petition be certified against the mayor. Shakley said the slur was used by the mayor while in the course of city business. I was working and he came in and basically asked if I was the head in charge because... I was the only one in the shop working at the time. It's not one something that, you know, is like you, if you're not friends with somebody, it's kind of one of those take offense to. I got pissed off. <laughs> I, mean, I was angry. Shakley said a second instance of a racist slur was used by the mayor while the two were in his office. We're in his office, in the, in the mayor's office. 
And, you know, he basically said that, you know, he wanted me to go unclog somebody's toilet. And if I got poop on me, it wouldn't matter because it would blend in. The recall application cites four grounds for recall. Governor Mike Dunleavy has appointed Kim Koval as acting commissioner of the new Alaska Department of Family and Community Services. The new department began operations on July 1st. Koval spoke on the KINY Morning Show about her trip to Southeast this week. One of the priorities for me was to get out to um, all of our sites and touch base with our staff and our clients and patients. So this week uh, we planned uh, a site tour through uh, Sitka and Ketchikan. So actually right now I'm calling to you from lovely Sitka and we visited uh, Pioneer Homes yesterday as well as OCS and got to meet with the Sitka tribe. It was really a fantastic visit yesterday and today we'll be hitting two more sites plus Ketchikan later on this afternoon and then tomorrow in Ketchikan we'll be visiting four new partners and then I will be flying back to Anchorage. Koval spoke about the operations of the department across the state. I think the biggest piece in all of this was to be sure that we could um, really enhance our direct services. As you know, all four of the divisions are 24-hour, seven-day-a-week uh, uh, facilities. So we have OCS, which is Office of Children's Services. We have um, Department of Juvenile Justice, or DJJ. We have API, which is um, the Alaska Psychiatric Institute or Hospital. And then we have Alaska Pioneer Homes. So we have about 1,800 staff uh, providing direct services. And, you know, these are the folks that when COVID hit, they showed up every single day, still providing the services that our clients and patients needed. And so want to put a lot of attention, eyes, ears on those staffing needs, those program quality needs, and just ensure that, you know, we're meeting the needs of our vulnerable population. You know, that's, that's the number one priority. While in Sitka, Koval made a stop at the Pioneers' home. The sites were just wonderful. Got to spend an hour with residents yesterday, and they're delightful. Listening to their stories and their histories. Um, got to meet with staff, met with a staff member who has been with that department for 30 years, and she's going to be retiring soon. So uh, we've met um, some staff that have literally had their grandparents, great-grandparents, parents, and now themselves. Um, either in the facility or working in the facility. So there's just so much incredible history um, and then really fantastic outreach with the communities uh, and stakeholder partners here. Um, Sitka Tribe was really lovely hosting us last night, uh, meeting them, and just really looking forward to touching base with more of our community partners. The third annual Oktoberfest is coming this Friday. Forbidden Peak Brewery and Red Spruce Eatery announced that they will be hosting the event Oktoberfest, a fundraiser for Rotary International. Both the brewery and the restaurant plan to feature German-inspired menus with suggested beer pairings and an artist market in October. Danny DeWitt, a member of Rotary, was a guest on Capital Chat. Uh, Brewfest this year is the uh, 24th of September. Uh, from 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock uh, at the uh, what used to be the subport, it's now uh, where Tracy's is. Uh, we're going to be where we were last year. It's going to be a lot of it outdoor. Uh, we've got tents, great covering, great beer, opportunity to bend your elbow a little bit for charity. And outlined what breweries are coming to town for the event. Fairbanks, uh, Hoodoo is coming down from Fairbanks, uh, Matanuska Brewery, uh, Midnight Sun Brewery, uh, Denali, uh, Double Shovel, uh, Bowden Street, um, 
<clears throat> Harbor Mountain, uh, Bear Paw. So we've got a good selection from uh, out of our community that come down, uh, as well as, uh, obviously, Alaskan Brewery, who has helped us uh, as we started 10 years ago. They've been uh, just a, a great help to us, as usual. Uh, and obviously, Forbidden Peak, uh, Devil's Club, and Barnaby Brewing will all be participating. Rotary member, Denny DeWitt. Imagine if every time you get in your car, it checks whether you're drunk before allowing you to drive. The National Transportation Safety Board wants that safety feature to be standard in every new vehicle soon. ABC's Alex Stone has the story from California. After a drunk driving crash last year that killed nine, including seven children near Fresno, the NTSB says it's time for vehicles to automatically check the driver for alcohol impairment. The technology is in development, but it would passively check a driver's breath or finger without the driver having to blow into a breathalyzer. San Jose State University engineering professor Ahmed Benafa. I look at this technology as it's part of this progression we see in the car technology. Volvo has been working on a system that would check for drunk driving using cameras. Alex Stone, ABC News. Never miss a story or a newscast at keinyradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.